God has pulled back the veil, and He is showing us the fullness of the glory of all that the Lord Jesus Christ is and all that He does. In chapters 2 and 3, uh, He is writing to seven actual churches that existed in that first century time that were established in Asia Minor or in modern-day Turkey. Now, in these seven churches, as He's writing to them, Two of the churches are doing really good jobs, and he doesn't have anything negative, he doesn't have anything critical to say about those churches. But then for five of those churches, the Lord Jesus Christ is walking in judgment through those churches. He's examining those churches with eyes as flame of fire, feet as burnished brass, and he has determined there is a fatal flaw in five of those churches that needs to be addressed. There's sin in the camp, if you will. And it starts with the church at Ephesus, and there, the very first step away from Christ and into sin and into trouble and being a church or a Christian that does not bring honor and glory to Christ is we leave our first love. There are other things in our life become more important to us than the Lord Jesus Christ. There are other things that we give our attention, our heart, and our resources to. After we leave first love, then the second thing that happens is we began to wed the world. We began to make compromises with the things of the world. And our lives and our churches are not primarily governed and guided and lived out through the instructions of the Word of God based on our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But now we become concerned with uh, the pressures of cultural influences. And we begin making little tiny compromises with sin and false teaching. Then after we find ourselves beginning to wed the world and starting to look a little bit more like the world than we do the holiness and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we find ourselves actually giving ourselves over to sin itself. And we actually start living sinful lives. No longer uh, do we walk in any sense of holiness or righteousness, but now the things of the, of the world have captured our hearts and we're much like Demas, that the Apostle Paul writes about, who he said, has forsaken me, having loved this present world. We find ourselves in that sinful condition because we've started giving heed and listening to false doctrine, false teaching. No longer do we hold to the Word of God alone just as it is, as the inspired Word of God, as the inerrant Word of God, as the infallible Word of God. But now we listen to people that will even take the Word of God and twist and turn it and say that it says things it does not say. Or sometimes they will just ignore the Word of God altogether and they'll call the, the validity and the reliability of the Word of God into question and they'll say, all of those old men back in those days, were all, what they wrote was a, a, a consequence of their own patriarchal system. 
and their own ignorance and their lack of understanding of how things actually work in the world. And so we need to dismiss that, and we need to hold to what we now know is truth. The only problem is what they think is truth is the thing that's the lie. And the thing that they dismiss so casually and cavalierly is the only truth there is. Because this reveals the one who alone is truth. This is, from cover to cover, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the way, the truth, and the life. You'll only know truth, and you'll only know life eternal when you come to know Jesus Christ. And you come to know Jesus Christ not as you want to think that He is. You come to know Jesus Christ as He has revealed Himself to be in His Word. Okay? In His Word. And then in, once you are saved and you're born again and you receive that gift of eternal life, He then takes and transforms and reshapes your life to look like His life by using His Word. Jesus said in His high priestly prayer in John 17, Father, sanctify them, transform them, grow them in holiness, shape them to look like me, to shape like Christ. Sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. Jesus is the living truth. This is the written word that reveals the living word. Okay? So, now we as a church, as Wasmansal Baptist Church, are committed, number one, to loving the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, with all that we are. We are not going to leave our first love. Secondly, we as a church are committed, we are faithful to not be conformed to the dictates of the culture of this world or the mindset of this world, but to hold fast to the Word of God. Number three, we are committed and we will be faithful to hold fast, steadfast, unwaveringly to what the Word of God says about who we are to be and what we are to do. The standard of all truth is measured by what does the Word of God say. This is the only authority and this is the final word on all things that are truthful and also it reveals all things that are false, all things that are lies. So we hold steadfast to the Word of God. Now, so the downward spiral is to leave first love. Then you begin to compromise and wed the world. After you begin to compromise and wed the world and take on the shape of the world, then you give yourself over to false doctrine and get yourself involved in full-blown sin and you're living sinful worldly lives. What is the next step in the downward spiral in the life of a church or in the life of a Christian? That's where we are this morning. Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Sardis 
right. So, the Lord Jesus Christ is dictating uh, this letter that he gives to an angel that is going to give it to John on the Isle of Patmos, who's then going to send it to the church at Sardis. Sardis. Now, it is the next step in the postal route. We have now gone upwards uh, in Asia Minor, gone around the horn, coming back down on the other side of the horseshoe, if you'll think about it that way, and uh, we go from Thyatira to Sardis. Sardis. Now, Sardis is an interesting place. Uh, Sardis was a very wealthy, very wealthy city. There was a river that flowed just outside of Sardis that was found to have gold in that river. And so uh, they, would, they would take and they would pan for gold, they would mine for gold in that river, and collected very large sums, large amounts of gold. Uh, in fact, it is in Sardis where the first gold and silver coins were ever minted. The first place that minted coins was Sardis. So they were very wealthy. In fact, uh, they had a king in Sardis at one time that was known as King Croesus. Anyone ever heard of rich as Croesus, as wealthy as Croesus? Well, Croesus was the, was the king there that had great amounts of gold, and they minted the first gold and silver coins in Sardis. Uh, they also had some good storytellers that tried to impart the worldly wisdom uh, there in Sardis. In fact, have you ever read Aesop's fables? Aesop lived in Sardis. He's from Sardis. So Aesop's fables came out of Sardis. Uh, they also had a very large pagan temple uh, there in Sardis. And in Sardis, the temple of this, this false god, uh, the, the columns of that temple were 60 feet high, six feet in diameter. So very strong, very big, big temple to a false god. So that was, that was Sardis. Sardis was also built up on a hill, and they had these huge walls around the city of Sardis. Very large, very thick walls, so that Sardis was said to be an impregnable city. They were not afraid of any attacks from the outside. They were not afraid of any of their enemies, because they had walls that they felt would protect them against any and all enemies. They felt absolutely safe, absolutely secure, and secure in their wealth. The only problem was, Sardis lies on a fault line. And they also had some volcanoes just up from them. And whenever those volcanoes would start to rumble, they would affect the, the fault lines in the earth so that the earth would shift beneath their feet. Now, those walls were really strong, and they were really high, and they were really thick, but the ground under them, in a few occasions, began to move. And so, as the ground moved, gaps began to form in the walls of the city. And guess what? When the Greeks came through, it just so happened, the night before they got there, some of those gaps opened up. 
they went in through the gaps of the city and the people of Sardis woke up the next morning and they were overrun. All right? So they were defeated not just once, they were defeated a couple of times uh, by enemies who waited for the earthquakes and when they saw the earth move, they moved in. All right? That's Sardis. So he says, unto the angel of the church, the pastor of the church in the city of Sardis, write. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God. Now, the way that the Lord Jesus introduces himself when, when in each of these letters goes back to chapter 1. In chapter 1, when we have that great glorious uh, revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have this detailed description of Jesus Christ, he then goes back in each of the letters and refers to some significant detail about Jesus Christ as he addresses each church. And the thing that the detail about Jesus that he chooses to highlight uh, uh, to each church is a particular character of Christ that relates to whatever's going on in the church. So in chapter 1, he, re he refers to the one who has the seven spirits of God. And when he writes to Sardis, he says, uh, he who has the seven spirits of God. Now, I know you remember the sermon from chapter 1. That was only a few weeks ago. And so you know the significance of the seven spirits of God. Now, what is the seven spirits of God? Well, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. You're saying there's seven Holy Spirits? No. The number seven represents completeness. So it's the completeness of the Spirit, but also it's a reference back to Isaiah chapter 11. Ah, I knew you remember that. Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Isaiah writes, and he says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Now, who is the rod from the stem of Jesse? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy about the coming of, of Jesus. And a branch shall, go, shall grow. Go back to Isaiah 53 and the first couple of verses. He'll refer to these same things again. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of its roots. Now, notice what it says about this Messiah, this Lord Jesus Christ that would come. The Spirit of the Lord. Now, number one, when it refers to the Spirit... It is the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit of God. It is God Himself. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him. Now, remember the baptism of Jesus. Remember the baptism of Jesus? We just had the baptism. So remember the baptism of Jesus. Whenever He came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended down upon Him in the form like unto a dove. The Holy Spirit was not a dove. But it just said it reminded them, had this appearance that kind of floated down the way a dove glides through the air. So it had descended upon him in a form likened to a dove. And the voice of the Father boomed out and said, This is my beloved Son, and whom I'm well pleased. So the, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of... Now, now these are seven qualities of the Spirit of God. Number one... He's the Spirit of the Lord. Number two, He's the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Wisdom, how to know and apply the truth of the knowledge of the Word of God 
and understanding, discernment of how that wisdom is to be applied, when it's to be applied, how it's to be applied, in the time. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel. Counsel. Now, for instance, Isaiah is going to say that uh, the Lord shall be called, many things, a wonderful counselor. Mighty God, okay? The spirit of counsel, the wisdom of God, the help of God, the guidance of God. If you want to know how to live your life within the will of God, how to make the right decisions, the right choices, and how to define healing with the hurts of this life, you find that only in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit inspired. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear, reverence, awe, worship of the Lord. So that's the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. So he goes on and he says, And the angel of the church to the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things says he who has that fullness of all that the Holy Spirit is, and all that the Holy Spirit of God does. And he says, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, what's the seven stars? He's told us previously. They are the pastors of those churches who has the seven stars. Remember the candlesticks were the churches. The seven stars were the, the, the seven pastors of those churches. Now, of this church at Sardis, he says the same thing he says to every church. I know your works. I know absolutely everything that's going on in your church. And he also says that to Wasmasaw Baptist Church. He says, Wasmasaw, I know everything that's going on, but it goes beyond that. Not only does he know everything that's going on, he knows why it's going on. He knows the motive of each heart of each person that makes up Wasmasaw Baptist Church. He says, I know your works. Now, what's the works of the church at Sardis? That you have a name. A name. A name is a reputation. Did you know that every one of you has a reputation? Your reputation is what other people think about you. What they believe to be true about you. The people in your family, the people that are your friends, the people that are your enemies, the people that are in your church, the people on your job, every person that you have any relationship has some idea in their mind of who you are, what you're like, based on their time with you. You have a reputation. Some good, some not so good. Every church has a reputation. Every church has a reputation. Based on what people have heard, based upon their experience when maybe they've come and worship with us. Now, by the way, for those of you online that are watching, hopefully you think good things about this church from what you've seen online, and I appreciate you tuning in, especially those of you that live in other areas, other places, other states. I appreciate you listening in, but I want you to know 
you don't really know us until you come and experience us. And I think hopefully what you're going to find is you're going to experience the love of the Lord Jesus Christ here among the people of this place. Right? While you're listening online, about the only one that you're getting to know and hear is me. And I'm sorry for that, but the only one you get to know is me. But I want you to know when you're here, you're going to experience all the great love uh, of all these wonderful people. So we invite you to come and join with us. Now, again, for those in the room, the question is, the people out here in this community, now this church has been here for 240 years. 240 years. That's a lot of time to build up a reputation. So when the people that's been in this community for any length of time, whether they've been here for many years or their whole life, been here for generations, or whether they've just moved in, and a lot of people are moving in, if they've just moved in, what have they heard about Wasmasaw Baptist Church? You know, I've discovered from the different message boards I'm on, you know, online with, there's a lot of people asking for recommendations on churches. There's, you know, the Cane Bay website out there. There's the Cane Bay residents, and on there several times, I see people that ask this question. We're looking for a church. Which one do you recommend? On the Dell website, you'll, you'll, you'll see that out there. What church? And I keep, I keep, I'm just sitting back, and I just keep reading. And I keep saying, so they recommend this one, this one, this one. And I went, when's Westmasaw going to show up on there? Now, here's one of the things. I guess because we're off the beaten path from the main road, we're the best-kept secret in Charles, the whole Tri-County area, I think. But, but I want you to know, it might have been a secret, okay? But we need to get the word out. And I'm very thankful for some of you that are helping us get the word out there because I believe this church has, number one, I think this church lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. It presents the word of God. It's a, it's a loving fellowship. And there's a lot of people out there that need what they can have here at Wasmasaw Baptist Church, okay? So we need to quit holding it in as a secret. We need to start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and the good news of Wasmasaw Baptist Church. Now, all those folks out there, you know, I keep reading those message boards, what church do you recommend? And there's people say all different kinds of things about various churches. I've been in some churches. I've pastored churches had really bad reputations in a community. Really bad reputations in a community. For instance, I was pastoring a church, and that church had a, had a reputation in the community for being a family church. Now, by that, they didn't mean all of your families are welcome. What they were saying is there's one family that controls everything in that church. And they were right. I mean, it was a, uh, they earned that reputation, okay? Uh, and so they even had a church split off, you know, go to another church because they didn't feel like they were part of things. Well, that's another story. But, you know, they had a reputation of being a family church. I had, was pastoring one church that was controlled. I kid you not, had a reputation, and I found it to be true. I didn't believe it in the beginning. They were controlled by the local Masonic Lodge. I mean, that's where all the decisions were made. Then they would come and they would make them in the lodge, and then they'd come in. It was an interesting thing to witness and behold. Um, um, I've had churches that had a reputation for fussing and fighting. You don't want to go to that church. 
Yeah, you're going to be there. It's going to split again sometime or another. It's been done. It's had five or six of them. And they just, man, those folks just cannot get along. That is horrible. Horrible. What is the reputation of one's Messiah? What people think about us from outside. Now, not only does the church have a reputation, every one of us has a reputation. Now, as I was telling the folks in the Sunday school class this morning, did you know that all of you sitting here are actually three people? The reality is you're three people. I look over and I see Brother Chris sitting there. And I say, there's just one of Brother Chris. Amanda says, amen. All right, there's just one. No, there's not. There's three. Three. There's three people sitting in that chair. There's the Chris that Chris thinks he is. The Chris that he thinks he is. There's the Chris that others think he is. And then there's the Chris that God knows him to be. And that's true for every single one of us. Now, if you think you know who you are, you don't. I say that because Jeremiah, the Holy Spirit inspired Jeremiah to write, says nobody knows their own heart. Nobody's capable of knowing who you actually are on your own. Because we've created an image of who we want to be and what we think we're like, but that doesn't necessarily match up with the reality of who we actually are. There's who we think we are, and then there's the reputation of what others think about you. Now think back to your junior high and high school days. Weren't there people with certain reputations? One way or the other? I always just found out, though, with a lot of them, maybe not all of them, but with a lot of them, the reality didn't match up to the reputation. Okay, some the talk got around about this, that, and the other stuff, but found out later that that actually wasn't the reality of who they were. But they had a reputation what others thought. Now, here's the deal. It really doesn't matter so much what you think about you, and it doesn't so much matter what others think about you, but boy, does it matter a great deal what God knows to be true about you. He knows what you're going to think before you even think it. He knows what you're going to say before you even say it. He knows absolutely everything, the things that you think nobody knows, God knows. He knows. Not only does He know what you did, He knows exactly why you did it. Everything. Everything. So He says, I know you have a name. You have a name. When other people think about you, what do they say about you? But more importantly than that, the God who gave you the gift of life, the God who died for you in Calvary's cross, the God who rose from the grave for you, what does he say about you? He says, you have a name. What, what kind of name? You have a name that you're alive. You're alive. 
That is a happening church at Sardis. Whenever you move from the outside and you move to Sardis and you started asking around, they didn't have Facebook back then, but, but they, they would ask around and they'd say, what church do you recommend we go to? they say, you looking for a church? You need to go to the First Baptist Church. It had to be a Baptist. Yeah, First Baptist Church is Sardis. You need to go to Sardis Church. Say, why do I need to go, need to, go to Sardis Church? Man, that church has it going on. People are flocking to that church. That church is growing. You know, a lot of churches died on. That church is growing. They got folks there. And there is something always going on at that church at Sardis. Those are those people are involved. Those people just don't sit around. They do things. They got this ministry. They got that ministry. They, they do this for the community and that for the community. I tell you, you go down to Sardis, you're looking for a children's ministry for your kids. They got a great children's ministry. Why they meet there in that, that thing, and they're always playing games with the kids, and they got activities that they do. They got these wonderful songs that they sing. They got videos that they show. They got, a, uh, they got a playground out there for them. I tell you, they got a great, great ministry for the kids. Young people, oh man, the youth ministry of that church, uh, man, it's booming, that youth ministry there. They're always taking the kids different places. They go down to Frankie's Fun Park. They go down to uh, uh, Wanamaker Park. Uh, they go to this place. They go to that place. They got them going. They, uh, man, when you go, when the kids go, they're always excited when they come out because they talk about the great games that they played while they were there. They, they even feed them when they come to youth ministry. And they got good food there. Uh, they take these mission trips. They go to camp every year. They go to these conferences, youth conferences. I mean, they are always keeping those young people busy. Great ministry for the youth. Then, those senior adults... They don't, they, hey, those senior adults, they don't retire. They get on fire, and they're always going. They're going to trips to the Billy Graham Center. They're, they're going to some, uh, they go up north. They take these bus trips, and they go look at the leaves when they change colors, and they're going here, and they're going there. They get together, and they have all these socials together. They get together, and they meet together. The women's ministries, oh, man, let me tell you about the women's ministries. They're all the time having these studies together. They're getting together and fellowship with those ladies. They just really enjoy being together. They just are always getting up there. You find them all the time. Even the men, they have breakfast. They have breakfast. And, and they do. Now, by the way, remember, didn't you enjoy that testimony of Brother Dean yesterday? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. God, God has moved and worked in, in his life, and he gives God the glory and the honor for, for all of that. And I enjoy that. But they, men's ministry, I mean, they're all the time going out and help, helping people build wheelchair ramps. And then they go and they help people that, that have these other projects. They go to the little widow lady's house. And when the widow ladies have their grass that needs cut, they go out there and they cut their grass. I mean, they're doing all kinds of things. You, if you're looking for a church, has great music. I mean, they sing the greatest songs, the most recent songs. And, and they, they have this worship team. Man, I tell you, that you just wouldn't believe the kind of music they got down there. And I said, it's not that old dead, dry stuff. I mean, it's stuff that makes you feel something. It's great music. Ken, I just described a lot of churches I know. I hadn't thought about that, but that's, that's a lot of churches. In fact, I've been on, a, you know, one of the things I do just for fun is, is I go on to and look up church websites. And I must look at 20 or 30 at least every week, church websites. 
you know, looking to see what's going on in various churches and this, that, and this stuff. I, I, so I've been on a lot of websites, a lot of churches. And what I've just said describes a bunch of churches. I mean, you go down to Sardis Church, day or night, the lights are on. There's people in the parking lot. Stuff is happening. I mean, it's moving. A lot going on there. Ministries on top of ministries. You want involved? You can get involved. You have a name that you're alive. By all standards, that we usually count as being important when we're looking for churches, you have a name that you're alive. But, there's mm. that word. But you are dead. Dead. The only one who really knows what they are is the Lord. And the Lord Jesus says, everybody thinks you're so alive there. And you're dead. Their reputation didn't meet the reality. They had fallen prey to what a lot of churches and a lot of parents have fallen prey to. That just because you have a lot of activity doesn't mean you have life. Matthew 23, verse 27. Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. In other words, your reputation, your outward life doesn't match the inward life. For you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear, you appear righteous to men. You appear like you're right, but inside. You're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Who makes a church a church? Who makes a church a church of Jesus Christ? Well, he told us in his introduction of how he identified himself. He says, I'm the one who holds the seven spirits of God, the fullness of the Spirit. The one who makes a church a church is the presence of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says, upon this rock I'll build my church, how is he going to build, build it? Through the Holy Spirit. When you read, I don't have time to run through the whole Scriptures. But it is the Holy Spirit of God who builds us together as living stones for a habitation, it says, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. That which makes a church a church is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If the Holy Spirit isn't within that church is not a church. 
if the Holy Spirit isn't present, it's a club. They can call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. It is not a church. There's no such thing as a church where the Holy Spirit isn't present. You can have a name on your door that says you're a church. You're just a whitewashed tomb. Like Jesus said the Pharisees were. If the Holy Spirit... Let me ask you this question. How do we know? Listen to me. A lot of good things have been happening at Wasmosa. How do we know it's the working of the Holy Spirit and not just we're experiencing some good things because of different stuff we had planned? Is what we're experiencing just because of stuff we've done? that people have liked? Or is it the working of the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you this question. If the Holy Spirit of God departed from Wasmus All Baptist Church, if the Holy Spirit of God departed from Wasmus All Baptist Church, would we even be able to notice it? Or could we just continue doing things like we've been doing things, having all the activities, all the ministries, all the services, but the Holy Spirit not be here? When it comes to Sardis, the church had been more influenced by their city than the city had been influenced by their church. It's a sad thing when the Holy Spirit departs. That's what happened at Sardis. Great example of that, you're all familiar with. Samson. Mighty man. In Judges chapter 16, verse 20. And she, Delilah, said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before all other times. He'd always done the same thing the same way. And I will shake myself free. And some of the saddest words in the whole Bible. But he did not know the Lord had departed. The Lord had departed. The source of Samson's strength was not his hair. I hope you understand that. The source of his strength was not his hair. That was just a sign of an outward covenant that his mama had made. The source of his strength was the presence of God presence of the Spirit. And when he disobeyed, the Spirit departed. I've seen that happen in churches. I've witnessed it happen. 
when the spirits left the church. Sometimes the church will dry up and die. And sometimes they just keep on keeping on, but the presence of the Holy Spirit's not there. They keep doing what they've always done. But it's an act of the flesh, not the Holy Spirit. It's sad. Well, what's the church supposed to be? And how do you know? How do you know that the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the church? Be here tonight. And we'll pick it up there. That's the most important thing. So don't miss it. I don't come for the vittles, get blessed by the Spirit. All right? <laughs> you come and be here, all right? Now, here's, here's the thing. We're talking about churches. What about your life? What about you? It's not that the Spirit departs from us, okay? Once we're saved, we are secure in, in, in Christ. But it has amazed me over the years that I've been a pastor, and even here at Washington South Baptist Church, the number of people that I encounter all the time, all the time, that have been in church for years and done the things you do in church, they serve on the committees. They're involved in the ministries. They're here for the services. And yet, the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, helps them come to understand. They've been doing all that stuff and had a name, as far as we're concerned. They're alive. But have never been saved. Never been born again of the Spirit of God. How about you? I was one of those people. I was doing everything you're supposed to do as a Christian, even as a teenager. I was preaching in churches. I started and was president of Youth for Christ clubs and Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and doing all those kind of things. I was teaching Sunday school. Found out. Yeah, I'd done everything except the first step. I never really had repented of my sin. I had never repented of my sin. I knew I wanted to go to heaven. I didn't want to go to hell. I never repented of sin. I knew I wasn't perfect. But big deal, nobody is. Repentance with an understanding I've sinned against God. And that hurts. I had this concept of 
yielding to the control of Jesus to be Lord of my life? I was a kid. I didn't know anything about that. I was just wanting to get out of high school. You know? Saying that he's going to be Lord the rest of my life? I didn't understand that. Until the Holy Spirit opened my heart and mind to understand that. Then I was saved. Now, if you would ask, there are people that are in here that knew me back in the day. If you would ask anybody, my reputation was, anybody saved Tim is. Well, they called me Timmy back then. Timmy is. But I was lost. Lost. I did all those things because I grew up in a Christian home. I knew how to do those things. And I knew I was supposed to do those things, so I did those things. Just didn't have the reality. How about you? How about you? And then many I've, I've met, they did get saved at some point after they were baptized. But won't you know, baptism only has meaning and significance after you've been born again of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So if, if you know, yeah, I, I did something back here, but didn't fully understand, and then I was baptized, but I've actually been saved since that time. Dear friend, you need to give outward witness and testimony. You really have been born again of the Spirit of God. Buried with Christ, risen to walk in your life with Him. Maybe you need to do that this morning. And one last thing. If you're looking for a church home, a place where the Holy Spirit is at work, a place that will help you grow in your walk with Christ, but also a place that will allow you to use the gifts God's given you to be of help to that church. We'd love to have you. Just come let me know. So what do the people out there think about us? Hopefully good things. But most importantly, what does the Lord know? Father,